The 1v1 interview series is a production of the Boss Rush Network of Podcasts. Visit bossrush.net to listen to our podcast and read our articles, game reviews, and more. You can also follow us on Twitter at Boss Rush Network to stay up to date with our content. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1v1 with Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Lucas, one of the founders of Black Fisk Publishing, a collective of brainstormers, dreamers, and hard workers making tabletop RPGs. Now, Lucas and I were talking before we started recording, and I, I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing his last name correctly. So I pronounced, it's spelled F-A-L-K, so I said, oh, is it Falk? And he actually said, well, that's how you'd say it in English, but Lucas, can you tell us how you would say it in Swedish? Uh, in Swedish, it would be uh, Lukas Falk, but but it's pretty much the same. So I uh, <laughs> I react to both when people use them. So uh, I know who, who they're talking about. Awesome. Well, Lucas and I met through another Zelda podcast, which I am also a part of. He hopped into our Discord and started saying how he's works with tabletop RPGs. And I said, well, I have to interview you for Boss Rush because that is so cool. I don't know a whole lot about them, but I know a lot of people enjoy them. And I, I love learning about what people like to do that makes them excited to get up in the morning. Yeah, yeah I was listening uh, like this summer. I, I travel a lot for work and, and I ran out of podcasts to listen to. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I, I was like, yeah, what interests haven't I explored in the podcast uh, area yet? And I was like, maybe there's a Zelda podcast. And I started looking it up and, and I found uh, another Zelda podcast. And I, I listened to a couple of episodes. And there was one episode like about Zelda in other media or something like that. Uh, and they were talking about it. And yeah, there should be a, a Zelda role-playing game. Uh, and I was sort of working on that right as I listened to that episode. And I figured, yeah, <laughs> perhaps I should get in contact with someone about That's that. That is awesome. Thank you for making time. I know it's late in the evening where you are. It's Labor Day here at the time of this recording. So I have a little bit more leeway <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. Thank you for having me. It's fun so, being on. So how are you doing? How how are you enjoying your week so far? Is it busy? Actually, I've been uh, like last the spring. I, I was working in two full-time jobs for the same employer, so I was really busy. And then I had uh, seven weeks of vacation, and I uh, pretty recently got back. Now I only have uh, one full-time job at that employer, uh, so it's been really calm. And I've been using my time uh, like starting up new things that I enjoy rather than putting out fires everywhere and just uh, uh, handling crises, which is a lot more fun to be proactive and, and creative rather than stressed out and uh, uh, hurried. So yeah, so, I'm wow. doing really, really well this fall, actually. <laughs> Two full-time jobs, seven weeks of vacation. Okay, so that's a little unheard of over here on this <laughs> side of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I have a really weird uh, daytime job. I work for uh, a non-governmental organization, but we're funded by the Swedish state to sort of get people to to engage more with their hobbies and interests and learn more about stuff. So it's sort of a, a, a non-school education organization. And there was uh, one of my colleagues 
quit and there was an opening to, to switch. I was uh, do, mostly doing, uh, focusing on like um, nature and camping and uh, animals and things like that. And there was an opening for, for gaming culture. And I was like, yeah, I need that. Uh, <laughs> I need that job as well. But they couldn't find a replacement for me in time. So I, I had two jobs at the same time. But now I'm working full time with, uh, yeah, we call it gaming culture and trying to get more people into the hobby. Okay. I think listeners are going to lose their minds and ask, how do I get into this job position? Are you accepting <laughs> applications? Yeah, I, I've been, like I started out when I was really young, uh, both playing music and, and playing a lot of tabletop RPGs and got into like uh, local gaming clubs that were all supported by this organization that I'm now working for. So, so I was for a long time was like, yeah, that's what I want to do when I grow up, uh, help others get into hobbies and finding places to hang out and learning more about things they're interested in. So, so I've been, been hunting this job for quite a while and uh, seems in the end it paid off. So, yeah. That's incredible. So how long have you been into gaming culture? Was it something that was a big part of your childhood? Yeah, I was really into video games when I was younger. And as I got a bit older, I started leaning into computer games. And I think I found tabletop role-playing games pretty much through computer games. Uh, but I keep going back and forth. I was into miniature war gaming for a while. I've never really been into the card gaming aspect. Uh, but yeah, I dipped my toes in pretty much all other gaming <laughs> except that. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, it's been, I probably got my first video game when I was, I don't know, seven or eight and been hooked ever since. Was it a Nintendo system or was it a Sega? I think the first the first thing I played it was actually uh, we had a home computer pretty early and it had like the the Prince of Persia game and, and I think a game called I don't know Dark Fort maybe I, I can't remember uh, I barely remember the game but it, you were there sort of exploring some sort of castle and fighting bats things like that oh wow that sounds almost like Castlevania a little bit yeah a little bit but but it was uh, even simpler, <laughs> if, if I remember it correctly. I haven't gone back to it, but yeah. Okay, so do you have time to play games as much as you used to? Uh, no, I I have, like, doing both my my daytime job and the, the publishing company, I'm sort of not allowing myself too much video game time because uh, that that's like a, a leisure thing so i have a, uh, one or two games that i i tell myself i i can play this game when i've finished uh, everything else and then i just uh, uh, deep dive into that game for like a week and, and i do pretty much nothing else than just play a video game so so it, it's my treat for <laughs> being productive i guess <laughs> What kind of games do you gravitate towards? Uh, I've been, I think, like mostly uh, adventure games. Uh, not so much. I'm not very good at video games. I think so. So I, I don't really lean into the the uh, combative games or, or 
first-person shooters or strategy games, so more like puzzle games, adventure games. Uh, yeah, the the Legend of Zelda series is a a big favorite of mine, and I've also been quite into like the Dark Souls games lately. So yeah, a lot of adventure and swords and things like that. If you're watching the video, you can see that really cool Breath of the Wild picture in the background next to a yeah. typewriter too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, I, I try to use the typewriter uh, for writing because when you're in front of the computer, you sort of always uh, uh, have access, you always have access to social media and YouTube and things like that. And so I tried to write a manuscript on the typewriter, but it was, a bit too uh, too slow and clunky. Uh, <laughs> I can keep up. Uh, my my thoughts were running away fast, faster than I could write on it. So uh, now it, it mostly collects dust, but it looks pretty, I guess. It does look really pretty. And I'm sure it's very challenging because like you were saying, it's slow. And if you make a mistake, it's not like you can just press backspace, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I think it could be good because you would choose your words really well if you start thinking about it but i'm more of a uh, i write uh, barely legible texts just bullet lists of of things that no one else would understand <laughs> and then i try to turn those into more uh legible sentences and then i try to evolve them so so my writing process is really based on improving something that's not good at all uh so so <laughs> it was, perhaps it was a bit too much pressure with the typewriter having to write good things or having to rewrite everything uh, so maybe someday when i uh, when i have more time so what do you what do you like to write are you interested in working on a novel i i've had that on on my to-do list uh but yeah, nowadays it's mostly just games and uh, like tabletop uh, mm -hmm. role-playing games and adventures for tabletop role-playing games. So, so that's uh, my main creative outlet nowadays. Awesome. So there might be some people listening who are thinking, okay, what is a tabletop RPG and how would you describe that? I think it's... Uh, there were a lot of different uh, types of role-playing games, but I think at the core, it's uh, collaborative storytelling with some sort of rule set to to add uh, uh, something unexpected every now and then would probably be the way I would describe it the most basic. Um, a lot of people have heard of Dungeons and Dragons, and especially now with the like Stranger Things and and there, uh, there's a big Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out sometime next year, and uh, I think tabletop role-playing games have been sort of was uh, a, a bigger thing uh, back in the day, and then it sort of went away with the satanic panic and, and people finding computer games. And I think now, uh, sort of a, a second golden age, maybe people are finding their way back to it after having been gone for a while and, and new people are discovering it. So it's a it's a way to, for me at least, it's pretty much like playing video games and computer games without the limitations of first having to program a video game and also without the limitations of playing a pre-programmed video game because you can do things outside the 
not not necessarily outside the intentions of the game creator, but like there are a lot less limitations because it's based on collaborative storytelling. So uh, no one's going to say, no, there's a wall here. You can't enter that door because uh, we haven't programmed anything inside the house. So, so tabletop role-playing games is sort of a limitless video game, uh, at least to me, which is uh, the fun of it for me. I hadn't even thought of them being limitless like that. That's a that's a great point because you don't have to worry about the limitations of coding and programming and the, those frustrations. Well, how did you get into um, tabletop RPGs? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but <laughs> I, I, I think I started getting into fantasy uh, literature and things like that at a young age, and uh, I was into... Zelda games, and later I got into uh, computer games that was sort of based on a role-playing game. And I figured, yeah, I heard someone talking about there was this thing called tabletop role-playing games where, where you uh, tell stories together rather than sit at a computer and play visual games like that. Uh, so I, f I think I talked to someone about it, and they were like, yeah, for some reason I, I own a book uh, of a tabletop role-playing game. And I never tried it, so we should try it together. And we brought a couple of friends together, and we played one session, and no one else enjoyed it. And I was hooked for life, because <laughs> it was the best thing I, I had ever tried. Uh, and then I sort of, but I was sort of on my own doing it. And I found my way somehow through martial arts, because I was training martial arts and there was a guy there who was like, yeah, you should come to our gaming convention where we play tabletop role-playing games. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm <laughs> looking for someone to play tabletop role-playing games with. So that was just a, a lot of random things that led to, uh, to my tabletop role-playing enthusiasm, I guess. That's incredible. Your two worlds collided. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we hadn't talked about it in any way. It was just a random offer for from that guy. So yeah, that was, uh, and and that club was part of uh, the organization that I work for now. Uh, so that that was how I found my way into that as well. So wow. So before I forget, I want to ask you about the martial arts. Do you? practice different types? Is there one you're focused on? And how long have you been doing it? Mm, I run a, a Taekwondo school for uh, like teens and adults. Uh, and I guess I've been doing it for, I don't know, 25 years, maybe. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and then uh, like since, since I'm uh, running the school every now and then I go to the local MMA gym and, and get beat up by uh, the people there just <laughs> so I get a bit more humble again <laughs> I have a friend who's into um black uh jiu-jitsu Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh yeah uh yeah I've I tried that for a while and and uh yeah it's fun my I like I prefer standing up <laughs> and kicking people uh, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu it's a lot of like wrestling and grappling uh, and for uh, since I haven't done that as much, I'm not as good at it. So, uh, yeah, it's fun to challenge yourself, but I I keep going back to to the 
standing striking martial arts for some reason. What level belt are you by now? If you've been doing it for this long, I imagine you're pretty advanced. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I got a black belt a couple of years ago. And, and I think in a lot of ways, it, it's just a, a piece of, of cloth. And it doesn't really say, I, I when I was a green belt, I was competing and I was uh, getting beat by, uh, I was beating black belts back then. And then every now and then I was beaten in competitions by someone with a lower belt rank than I was. So ever since then, I've sort of just looked at it as uh, yeah, a colored piece of cloth. It doesn't really say anything. Uh, but, but I tried to use them in my school to sort of gauge someone. You can always tell uh, how tall someone is or how much they weigh or things like that. So we sort of use the belts to, yeah, you've been training for this long and you should know these things but i think uh it's a it's a bit overrated but but it's a fun thing especially if you're a teen like uh it's sort of like leveling up in video games like you're you're reaching new ranks and if it's cosmetic or uh, or not doesn't really matter because it can be fun anyway right that's a great analogy and do you have any special memories or, or moments that stick out to you the most regarding taekwondo and martial arts I think, yeah, I've had a lot of fun uh, competing, but I think now that I run my own school, it's mostly uh, the fondest memories are of uh, people learning stuff that that I somehow managed to teach them. I think that's the, the most fun and like the people competing for the first time or... or mm. I had a really uh, fond memory. My I got my kid into martial arts as well and and he, had, he struggled with something and we worked on it for like every day for, for a week. Uh, as soon as he got home from school, we worked on it together. Uh, and in the end, he managed to figure it out. And, and uh, I think that was, uh, that was a fun, like bonding experience and also like a, a good life lesson. Just keep at it and, and work on it and we'll figure it out somehow. So yeah, that was, that was a good memory. Oh, I love that. It has to take so much discipline too, I'm sure. Yeah, but but I think pretty much everything does. Like if you want to be good at something, it doesn't matter if it's uh, kicking people in the head or, or being a good writer or just uh, uh, being a good cook or, or whatever it is. Uh, it re requires uh, a lot of uh, discipline, but mostly just mm, some sort of drive or passion for it. It's really hard to get good at something that you're not enjoying doing. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get into music or, or other types of sports or any other activities? Uh, I, I played in a band for a bunch of years and, and lived together with a band and, and pretty much uh, uh, lived in our rehearsal space just playing music every day. Uh, so, so yeah, I've been dipping my toes in, in a bunch of different hobbies as well, I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, music was a, a big thing. I was uh, I was really into surfing for, for a while, and uh, I played tennis and golf and things like that. But I think martial arts is the sports thing that really hooked me. In. Uh, I think music and and uh, creating games and writing is probably the the more cultural uh, hobbies of mine. I guess. <laughs> 
do you like to listen to music while you're working on your tabletop games? I, I'm always listening to music uh, when whatever I'm doing. But I, when I was playing music, I was listening to a lot of music with vocals. But lately, I, uh, since I'm writing, I can't really listen to vocals while mm -hmm. I'm doing that. So a lot of uh, instrumental uh, music. Uh, different genres but a lot of like lo-fi hip-hop has been on my playlist lately and uh, like yeah, atmospheric post-rock mm -hmm. things yeah uh, i think it's a good way to shut out everything else to <laughs> just have headphones on and listen to music and no one will talk to you and <laughs> you won't hear anyone else that's a great idea I, yes I, yeah. I love listening to music while i work i like I like the lo-fi hip hop, like you mentioned, and oh, yeah. I also I like the kind of vaporwave style oh, yeah. that's been picking up, kind of that electronic synth music that's making a resurgence since the '80s. Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to that as well. It's uh, it's fun varying yourself, and I tend to like when I work on a game, I tend to find a couple of uh, playlists for that game to sort of inspire me and working on the this uh, Zelda inspired game uh, now I've been having a lot of like lo-fi Zelda remixes which has been a lot of fun some people are so talented with that there, there are some beautiful arrangements of popular Zelda songs yeah yeah and I think uh, it's always like that's the thing with the Zelda games like every game it's uh, sort of its own interpretation of uh, a familiar concept and I think with the rearrangements of, of music as well uh, sort of the same idea that you take the familiar melodies and, and beats and then you uh, make something uh, uniquely mm -hmm. uh, for that specific context which is a lot of fun are you okay if we nerd out about Zelda for a little bit yeah absolutely. okay okay <laughs> It's a little selfish request on my part, but I do love Zelda. And, and, and you have a nice Wind Waker poster there. there the oh, background, right? it's um, actually, it's a spirit track. Uh, not spirit track, Phantom Hourglass. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. but very, very close. Uh, not too far. Um, do you remember Club Nintendo from a few years ago where you could redeem points or codes or something and get free stuff from Nintendo? I think I missed out on that. Uh, maybe it wasn't a Swedish thing, or or maybe uh, I I was just out of the loop. It was. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was U.S. centric, but you could buy games and you'd report it on your um, Club Nintendo account, and you'd get these points, and you could get some cool video game stuff. Like I have some Animal Crossing paper fans. You okay, can fan nice. yourself with, and I, I redeemed some points to get some Zelda posters. There's, I have a Phantom Hourglass one, and I have one with a bunch of different links up until 2007. Like, here's what Link looked like in this game. Here's what Link oh, looked okay. like in this game. So, yeah, I, I nice. Know, I don't know if they do it anymore. I know sometimes I'll get an email from Nintendo saying, "Oh, you have some points or coins or something okay. on my Switch." I don't know. Okay. I can't keep yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, but, me neither. But do you have a favorite Zelda game, or do you find that that spot kind of switches depending on your mood? I I think I, I I'd have a hard time picking one favorite, but I, I could 
maybe do a, a top five. Let's do it. <laughs> in Let's no do particular that. order. Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe it's nostalgia, but I've been going back to uh, Link to the Past, and mm -hmm. I think like the dungeon design and the story and everything. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy that a lot. And also Link's Awakening. I think that that's a nice yeah. uh, like twist on that same formula. Uh, Ocarina of Time is another big favorite. Majora's Masks, and then lately probably Breath of the Wild, for its own reasons. So, so yeah, that's probably my that was five, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I, I sort of, I sort of for, forgot about Twilight Princess for a while, and I played it recently, and I think it, it's better than I remember in a lot of ways. It's a bit uh, Ocarina of Time. And derivative, maybe yes. it was my my sense, but but I really like it's a you know, an improvement in a lot of senses, and like the final battles and that uh, is really nice as well. And yeah, I went back to Skyward Sword recently as well, and that was also better than I remember. So so yeah, I think I think I can probably list every Zelda game, and, and so yeah, maybe it should be in the top five as well. Uh, Good pick. If, if I remember correctly, I think I've heard your favorite is Twilight Princess. You have right. a really good memory. Yes, that's <laughs> my favorite. I think it kind of switches between that and Ocarina of Time. Okay. Yeah. But I. So the, my first Zelda game was um, A Link to the Past. Did y'all have video rental stores when you were growing up, where you yeah. could rent movies and video games? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I used to rent A Link to the Past, and I finally owned it, not on the Super Nintendo, but on the Game Boy Advance when they ported it over to that with, I think it's Four Swords. Okay, yeah. The Duel. And then um, I, I have really fond memories. When Twilight Princess came out, I was in high school, and I, I just vividly remember one Saturday, I just stayed in my pajamas, and I played Twilight Princess for <laughs> about eight hours straight. Okay. It, I mean, I got up to use the bathroom and, and eat and <laughs> and whatnot, but ha don't you love days like that where you have no other obligations yeah. and you can just enjoy a game? They're very rare now. I, I had a really sad, uh, sort of nostalgic moment. It was raining outside and it was a really uh, like bad weather day, and, and I was like, yeah, I really wanted to go to like a movie rental place and, and pick out like a, a movie or a game to enjoy the day with. Uh, it's not really the same thing, just streaming something or downloading a, a digital game. It's not quite the same. But uh, so I tried to not be too nostalgic about things, but I found myself uh, being swept up in it every now and then anyway. Oh, no, I, I feel that. I think it's very convenient to be able to download. I like your a water bottle, yeah. by the way. I just noticed what oh, you have you. on it. It has some little hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's very convenient to be able to download some games, but I remember it was such a big deal because my, my dad and my two younger sisters are also gamers. And I remember just Fridays, it was the end of the week and we would go and pick out a video game. It felt like an event. It felt like it was purposeful and it was uh, just something to look forward to, to either go out to eat at a restaurant or pick up some food and then you go to get a game and just, I don't know, it, it was fun trying to decide, yeah. okay, what game am I going to pick out this weekend? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a, a ritual to uh, 
that makes you enjoy the 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 activity even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you remove too many of those, it's if it's too accessible, if you don't have to go out in the rain, <laughs> then uh, you won't enjoy it as much, maybe. Exactly. I did you know there is one surviving blockbuster in the United yeah, States? Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> It's nowhere near me. It would have to be, I think it's in Oregon. So it's pretty yeah. far from where I live. <laughs> but if yeah, can't... but it's very convenient as well uh, to to be able to get things at home. So are you current? So you mentioned you like um, Dead dead Soul. Oh my gosh, am I saying Dark Souls? Dark Souls, yeah. Dark Souls, okay. I'm thinking, of, why am I saying Dead Dead Souls? Maybe because people die so many times in that series. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why that sense. came to my mind. Is is there anything yeah. you're playing currently in between life events? Um, it's, I think maybe Skyward Sword was the last game I, I played. Uh, but now we're ramping up for a, a Kickstarter and trying to finish our, our uh, Zelda-inspired tabletop game. So I think now it's just work mode uh, as soon mm-hmm. as I get extra time so <laughs> I understand it's it's hard and, and sometimes at the end of the day I'm very tired and I I don't have the energy to focus on a video game no it's sad yeah but, but then then you have more to play when you get the energy so <laughs> that is true that is very true yeah. So you mentioned a Kickstarter. You had mentioned it in the Discord server before, but yeah. you, uh, what, what would you like to say about that? So, so we, I, since I'm really into Zelda and really into tabletop role-playing games, uh, I started looking into uh, like Zelda tabletop role-playing, or, or rather Zelda-inspired, because uh, there isn't an official one yet, and. Like with game design and pretty much everything you do, I guess uh, you can you can have different opinions without thinking, yeah, this is bad. Uh, you can think, yeah, this is not how I would have done it. Like uh, with food, as well, I guess this is not how I would have seasoned this for food. And I read the, those games uh, that were available, and they were sort of focused on uh, like resource management and foraging and crafting. Uh, and I felt like, yeah, I w- wish there was like a a Zelda game that captures what I think is, is Zelda at its heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started working on that just for fun. And then we tried it out uh, and uh, we enjoyed it a lot. And I figured, yeah, maybe I should do something with this. And I kept working on it for a while. Uh, and my screen name on Twitter and things like that is uh, Cerulean 5 because blue is my favorite color and 5 is my favorite number. So I've just been having that for a while. So when I was naming the game like the, the as a project name, uh, just for fun, I, I called it like uh, Legend of Cerulea or something like that because it sort of sounded like Hyrule and sort of like Zelda. Uh, and in the end, uh, sort of stuck uh, uh, but we named it heroes of cerulea instead so it's a, a tabletop role-playing game uh, mostly focused on the, like the older style of zelda games the uh, more uh, simplistic and minimalistic so so you have the three uh, stats that's 
uh, might, uh, bravery, and insight, which is like uh, just a serial number filed off uh, uh, power, wisdom, <laughs> and courage. And uh, you roll a bunch of uh, like four-sided die because they're sort of triangular. So they reminded me of the Triforce. Uh, and you you explore dungeons and find items that you use in creative ways to solve puzzles and you fight monsters and uh, bosses at the end of uh, every dungeon. And it's a very minimalistic retro game with pixel art uh, graphics uh, that you're yeah, you're sort of playing uh, as a group of heroes because uh, in this world, like the the sort of Link and Zelda, uh, uh, yeah, the the this world's Link and Zelda, uh, but but they're called the 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 Paragon uh, and the Guardian instead. Uh, they they were supposed to be reborn, but they haven't been reborn yet. But the the evil Shadow King has been reborn and spreading ha havoc uh, with monsters uh, roaming the world and, and uh, scaring people. So you're, you're sort of a, a group of uh, regular people that wants to to help uh, protect the the, uh, the inhabitants of the world and fight the monsters because the, the chosen ones haven't been, they haven't appeared yet. So Ooh. you're sort of doing their job uh, and Hopefully, in the end, you might save uh, the world. So yeah, it's, it's a fun, <laughs> very, very minimalistic uh, role-playing game that uh, uh, we've we've been play testing it, and a lot of people said, "Yeah, this is perfect for playing with kids as well," because uh, it's really simple mechanic-wise. And I think it could be like a good first role-playing game for people who wants to try it out. Uh, just if they haven't played tabletop role-playing games, it could be uh, a gateway uh, <laughs> gateway game to to heavier stuff if you're interested in that. Oh, I love that. That was going to be my question because I, I've never really played tabletop games. I think I played a little bit of one or maybe it was just a board game at a friend's house. But I understand tabletop games, um, the campaigns can last a while. Is that how these games will be where you might have to visit with your friends or family multiple times to finish them? Yeah, I think like uh, you could you could play one dungeon uh, for a couple of hours and just have fun with that. But but I think the the book that we're uh, kickstarting, it will contain like a, a ready-made uh, campaign that you can play that has uh, three dungeons and then a, a final uh, larger dungeon. And if you're going to play all of those, you probably need a couple of sessions. So, so you can do one. Uh, and if you get hooked, you could uh, keep going, and fight more bosses and find more items. And that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, ex explore more of the world. So, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like, obviously I'm, I'm uh, a fan of, uh, tabletop role-playing game. So I think everyone should try it at least once. And when will the Kickstarter begin? We will launch it uh, September 15, and then it will keep going for like 20 days or something like that. So October 6th, I think. And and then we will uh, try to collect pledges to, to be able to print the book and buy more illustrations and uh, expand the content and I think 
uh, we stumbled on a, a fun idea for for the cover. So the cover would sort of look like an old uh, Nintendo uh, cassette with uh, like the ridges and uh, the gray, and there will be a special edition version which is golden uh, metallic and a lot of fun things like that. So that's incredible. Yeah, yeah I think uh, like. As I said, when I started working on the game, it was just for fun. And I think it really clicked when I was like, what kind of art should we have for this game? We were like, we should probably have pixel graphic. And it, like pixels, pixel art doesn't make sense in a printed book because pixel art was made for computer screens with the limitations. Uh, so, so it's really weird in a lot of ways to have pixel art. Uh, um, in, in printed media, but for this game, it feels uh, quite right. Like you immediately get the, the feeling of uh, old school video game with the, like the lo-fi art and, and pixel graphics. So, so w when we realized, yeah, that's the art style for this game, pretty much everything else was here. Yeah, and maybe the the cover will be like an old NHS uh, cassette, and uh, maybe the Kickstarter video will, will be the starting screen of uh, like a, a Zelda-ish game, and uh, yeah, a, lo a lot of fun ideas just uh, came uh, came naturally when mm -hmm. we started figuring out the building blocks of it. So this this just popped into my head as you were talking about the the campaigns and the games, the inspiration and the love of Zelda. What is it about the Zelda series or any kind of storytelling that draws you in? What what themes do you enjoy that you want to see reflected in this Kickstarter game? Oh yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, I think I. Put you on the spot. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but that's fun. I, I think it depends so much uh, on the game, like uh, what uh, I'm looking for. But for this game, uh, I think like the, uh, the, the it's it's sort of a, a nostalgic thing, like the 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 retro video games. Uh, but but I think. The sense of adventure and, and a lot of player creativity, solving puzzles in creative ways. And as we were saying earlier, the like tabletop role-playing games is more limitless version of uh, video game stories. So in a lot of ways you can, like in an in, in old school video game, there's only one solution to a problem because you have to program that solution but in a video game or rather in the tabletop role-playing game you can sort of come up with your own solution and uh, if you have a, if you agree that yeah that makes sense yeah you can go with that so uh, open up for even more player creativity uh, when when solving puzzles and yeah as i was saying with the the like rearrangements of music and uh, like the re-exploration of uh, the, the same themes in different Zelda games. It's sort of my own exploration of, of uh, different context for, mm -hmm. for the Zelda themes and, and the building blocks, I think. Yeah, I know that there's the, the idea or the saying about how no idea is 100% original. We're all inspired, whether yeah. it's from like folklore or mythology or 
different things happening. And I used that used to bother me when I was younger because I thought, oh, well, I never have a genuinely creative original thought. But like you're saying with the music of Zelda and the reimagining of the adventures and the themes, in a way, I think it's kind of beautiful because it shows that everyone on this planet has similar values and hopes and dreams, just yeah. maybe viewed a different way. Yeah, that's a nice sentiment. I think that's, <laughs> that's a, a, a more uh, like connecting thought. Like you, you, you keep re reusing other people's ideas and, and combining uh, ideas from different people and places and and uh, genres or or mediums or whatever. And I think that doesn't make uh, ideas any less worthwhile because it's a combination of things because probably someone had the first idea at some point but that was uh, way way back and now we're all just remixing ideas and i think that's uh, that's fine too <laughs> absolutely and i love seeing people's reimaginings i mean I, I used to love reading fan fiction a lot when i was younger oh yeah mm -hmm. did you ever get and, into and that I, I, I didn't, but I think I felt the same way about uh, like reboots and uh, mm -hmm. uh, things like that because you get to see someone else's vision for uh, for a character or like a context with uh, yeah, like with a comic book movies, you sort of get to, to see a different interpretation of the same characters, and I think that in a lot of ways that's uh, yeah, that's the same thing. Uh, remixing yeah. ideas or, or getting a different perspective on, on a single thing and, and fan fiction is yeah the same thing like someone else thinking about the same character or, or but in a different context or uh, adding to a story exactly and are you familiar with the lone ranger i don't know if that's popular in europe no. or uh, there was a, a Johnny depp movie of that right and it was based on on something yes earlier yeah yes yeah. um how you were saying the different interpretations and the reboots so the the movie has army hammer johnny depp it came out right. maybe uh, within the last 10 years and i took my grandparents to see it because they grew up with the original lone ranger oh, yeah. um like the cowboys and and uh, native americans and it was on it was in black and white and I was curious to see their reaction to the modern show. <laughs> right. It was so that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about um, comic book characters. And after we left the movie, I said, "Well, was this anything like the Lone Ranger when you were growing up in the forties, nineteen forties?" They said, "It's a little different. It's a little bit more <laughs> exciting than what we had." But that that's fascinating too because someone like Batman. For my my dad, when he was growing up reading comics, I'm sure whatever was happening in that time period was what was going to be reflected in the comic books. And now in 2022, they're going to have to the, the writers are going and illustrators are going to have to make it echo with whoever's reading it today. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, people nowadays have different perspectives, and uh, I think that's. Uh, a good thing about uh, like the whole mainstream industry is that we're starting to get uh, voices from from different uh, groups in different places because I think you get more interesting ideas that way. 
if mm-hmm. you if you mix ideas like you, you take an old concept and then you uh, get someone with a, a different background to explore that idea and find their own uh, voice in that i think it's the same thing with tabletop role-playing games it's been really dominated by uh, uh white western male people and and lately it's been shifting uh, so yeah I'm, I've read a lot of interesting stuff about made by uh, southeast asian designers and uh, non-binary game designers and and yeah just interesting perspective we we published a couple of games by uh, uh, a person called uh, Almost Patterson uh, made uh, a non-binary person who co-designed one of the games that we published and uh, designed a game on their own uh, that we also published. And like they have a different perspective on things than I do, and it was really fun exploring that together. Wow. Kid, uh, are there any other other games or any other creators you'd like to mention? Uh, um, yeah, almost passion is is probably the one uh, external game designer that we worked with. Otherwise, we made a lot of uh, games uh, ourselves. We started out making them in Swedish, so they're not very accessible. But but uh, now we're expanding into uh, English-speaking territory, and uh, and yeah, there's a. a a really cool role-playing game called Wonder Home, uh, made by a person called uh, Jay Dragon, uh, which is uh, like a um, very cozy, sort of Ghibli-ish. Uh, people uh, like animals, like uh, anthropomorphic animals, traveling together through the countryside and helping people out. And it's really like no, no, not a traditional role-playing game in the sense that doesn't focus on combat and more about the the group uh doing things together uh, that's a fun game and, and there's a, a really cool like setting called a thousand thousand island written by uh Sirik Su and Munkau I think the illustrator's name and they're from uh, Malaysia I don't know if both of them are but in Malaysia Indonesia maybe and it, it's like a fantasy setting but written from from the Southeast Asian perspective with all their myths and like it's sort of their uh, own fantasy setting, non, non-European uh, fantasy. And uh, it's really different and uh, inspiring. So yeah, a lot of things like that. Uh, I think it, it's fun that slowly moving in that direction that we're getting different voices and, and more perspectives and, and more and more diversity overall. I think really fun uh, to see and uh, inspiring and, and yeah, it gets stale otherwise. Like mm-hmm. if you just, the same people repeating the same ideas, we're getting nowhere, so yeah. That's why there are so many books, so many movies, so many games, because there are so many voices out there. And I yeah. know growing up, especially when I was younger, it was a big deal for me to be able to play as a female character. Yeah. Yeah, my my, my partner was joking about that sometime when I was playing video games. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, oh, did you, uh, is this another game where you could design the main character? And I was like, no, this is 
the standard character. Oh, it looked like you pretty much. <laughs> and then I was playing a different game. I was like, oh, this one, uh, you could design your own character. No, this is just a standard. And it was like I played The Last of Us and Uncharted or something. And everyone is like a, a white male with dark hair and maybe a scruffy beard. And that's like 90% of all the video game characters uh, from a certain era. So, yeah. I think it was really important for, uh, like, you could, you could uh, try to, uh, to put your, you could uh, engage, and I don't know uh, the, the English word for it, but you could, uh, you could have fun playing a game uh, as a character that's not like yourself. But there's something like, there should be at least some games where the main character is like, uh, like you, uh, mm-hmm. whoever you are. And yeah, more diversity is apparently needed in that area as well. So yeah, that's fun to hear that you you had the that experience, and I think more people are getting to have that experience in the future. Mm-hmm. I really hope so, and I, I think it's getting better. What would you say are some of the challenges of being a TTRPG publisher? What are you facing, especially now that you're trying to get into more English-speaking areas? I think the worst uh, the worst part is everything except writing games, <laughs> <laughs> like do, doing all the the bookkeeping and the distribution stuff. And uh, with the pandemic, there was a lot of trouble uh, distributing books and like the taxes and things like that. That's not really why I started a, a company; <laughs> just wanted to make stuff. But uh, I also uh, problem problem is too harsh to call it but a challenge is that uh, the Dungeons and Dragons is, is like 99% of the entire tabletop RPG hobby internationally and uh, yeah it's uh, it's hard to go up against uh, a large company like uh, like that and and they have a established uh, brand and and but on the other hand, it's really nice because uh, like the, the last uh, 1%, uh, instead of uh, fighting over the scraps, uh, everyone's really uh, helpful in that community, like the tabletop uh, RPG designer community. Uh, a lot of people are really helping each other out and calling, uh, giving each other shout outs and supporting each other's game and giving feedback. And uh, it's a really nice community. So. So yeah, it could be otherwise that uh, like it would be a lot of competition because there's so little uh, room for other games. But it seems like the opposite that people are banding together and helping each other out, which is really nice. That is incredible. So as as you were talking about everything, I was thinking about this little store in my town that it's called end of turn games and they, they have a like magic, the gathering tournaments. And I believe they sell tabletop RPGs. So is that something you're hoping to see where people will be able to go to stores in different countries and pick up your games or is it mostly all going to be online? I I think we have our games in a bunch of uh, stores internationally. Uh, right now, we got help from a company called the Indie Press Revolution, who distributes uh, like games from smaller creators. Uh, so we have a game called uh, Blood Feud out, which is a, a, a tabletop role-playing game about toxic masculinity <laughs> in the Viking age. 
it's uh it's uh the viking <laughs> yeah it, it, it gathered a, a lot of controversy uh when we released it because people didn't enjoy us uh, uh complaining about toxic masculinity uh but but yeah it, it got out there at least uh, and got another game uh, called slaying dragons which is a small game where you're it's sort of traditional in the sense you're an adventuring party going to slay a dragon and and as players you know that you're going to succeed you're going to uh, like overcome all the challenges you're going to reach the dragon and you're going to slay the dragon but the game is about learning about the characters and the relationships and who they are and what they prioritize and, and sort of what they uh what it cost them to reach the dragon and what they sacrifice on the way so it's it's a cool introspective dungeon crawling game like you're crawling into the dungeon to find the dragon but you're also crawling deeper within the characters as you do that so that is really and those cool. are those those are available in a couple of game stores in the us so at least and yeah, I I hope we're, we'll get our other games there as well. There are a lot of Swedish uh, RPG tabletop RPGs that are uh, getting a lot of international acclaim at this point. So we're sort of uh, looking to to join that uh, <laughs> collective of uh, Swedish game designers. So. Do you uh, stream on Twitch or different platforms, the uh, different gameplay sessions by any chance? Uh, we haven't really gotten into that. We've been thinking about it. Uh, there was we've been joining streams rather uh, than than hosting our own. It was a stream of of the Blood View, the toxic masculinity game, on a channel called Plus One XP, um, and they play that together and. Um, hopefully I'll join them with uh, Heroes of Cerulea as well. But uh, yeah, we used to, like uh, the two of us that are running the company, uh, Peter and I, we sort of met through both having our own tabletop role-playing game podcasts in Swedish. Uh, so we used to do that for a while, but we sort of didn't have the time to, to keep doing that when we started the company. Uh, but it's, uh, we've been talking about maybe doing like something uh, in English, but yeah, don't really have the time. So I think starting up uh, our own streams or uh, on Twitch would be uh, too time consuming at this point. Yeah, you probably have to give up some time on a weekend at like on a Saturday night or something. And I'm sure at that point you're like, okay, I want to be with my partner. I want to be with my family. <laughs> I have a brother who makes a living on of streaming, but he's playing drums on Twitch. It's called Max A Drums. And he, yeah, he plays a lot of drum covers and, and like has drum lessons and things like that. So, so I've, I've been... Uh, I've been looking into the streaming uh, uh, sphere, but, but not joined it myself. That's incredible to me. That's mind blowing to me that people have are able to do that. Yeah, that's quite exciting for. Uh, yeah, just he loves playing drums and he gets to play drums and make a living out of that. That's always great. Absolutely. 
I think um, some, you know, some people who aren't really as into gaming. So I don't, I don't really watch a lot of streamers. I just, I just don't have a lot of time. But I think it's incredible that it exists. And someone was kind of uh, someone who's not as into game was saying like, I don't understand why people want to sit around watching people play games. And I said, well, people sit around to watch people play American football or baseball right. or soccer or tennis and. <laughs> they're not contributing right. to it either or i don't know if it's popular in sweden but we have uh, a channel called hgtv home and garden television where people watch grown adults go search for homes they want to buy okay yeah, yeah we have a couple <laughs> of those shows as well uh yeah i i uh, like you i haven't really got into watching a lot of streams or, or uh, things like that just because I don't really have the time, but I've heard a lot of people say it's sort of like having the radio on. You're not necessarily watching every second of it, but you're sort of having someone else keep you company and listening to mm -hmm. conversations. Uh, and I mostly uh, use podcasts for that uh, aspect of, of entertainment. Like I, I listen to podcasts when I, I'm driving to work and uh, doing, yeah, taking walks and, and doing dishes and things like that. I, so I guess it might as well be a, a stream, just that I haven't um, gotten into watching mm -hmm. streams yet. It is cool how you can type to the person streaming and there's a good chance they might read your message and even respond to it yeah. live. So that's, <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I'm really impressed with, uh, my brother, for example, how he can focus on playing drums and then he can entertain a lot of people live and answer questions and keep reading comments and then get back to playing. And it's got a really great personality for for entertaining people. And, and so, do, so do like all successful streamers. It's a really special skill to be able to, to focus on what you're doing, but also to make people feel seen and entertain them uh, like when I'm playing video games, I'm just staring into the screen, mouth open, <laughs> and like uh, I'm completely sewn out. So I would would be the worst video game streamer ever, I think. But uh, <laughs> people who are skilled at doing things simultaneously, it's really impressive. All kind of talents in this world. Oh my goodness! And I'm so happy. Oh. I always I always joke if I'm the smartest or most talented person in the room, we're in big trouble because. <laughs> 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 we're, we're doomed yeah but that's the thing like yeah, no one's the smartest or, or most talented because everyone's got their own thing that they're talented or or learned about and i think uh yeah uh, you you i'm sure you have a lot of things that you're the most talented at or, or the smartest at in certain contexts and I know with myself, there are a lot of contexts that I'm the least learned and <laughs> the least competent as well. But but uh, in some contexts, I, I know my way about the things that I've put my energy into. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and that's why you need diversity, I guess, because you have a lot of people who are talented at a lot of different stuff. And that's pretty much why we started the company as well, because we were designing games and, and I have a background in information design and layout work and writing. Thanks. And uh, my my colleague Peter has a background in economics and uh, administrative work. Okay. So 
we we pretty much figure either we could learn each other's skill and do them on our own or we could just join together and i can do all the layout work and he can do all the uh, economic and budget things and uh, we can help each other out rather than just learn a new skill uh, and and uh, sort of compromise with what we're actually enjoying and, and sort of what we're uh, the most uh, skilled at, at least. That's very well said. You can complement each other and work yeah. together and things will be okay. Yeah, a lot more fun that way as well. <laughs> to have yes. someone keep you company through all the trouble and, and <laughs> uh, triumphs and everything. Absolutely. So do you have any other projects or pursuits or future plans for Black Fisk Publishing or anything else you have going on? Uh, yeah, we're we're translating a game that we did in Swedish uh, called the uh, it was called Windskäll in, in Swedish. We're tra translating it to uh, to English. To, uh, it's called Windsoul, uh, and it's also like <laughs> uh, it's also sort of Zelda inspired, but but more in a general sense with uh, like the joy of exploration and like exploring a, a different world and focus a lot of uh, puts a lot of focus on camaraderie and, and like optimism and like it's a fantasy game that's uh, someone called it anti grimdark it's a optimistic colorful fantasy <laughs> uh, and uh, so we're working on that uh, and peter is working on sort of a uh, uh, not necessarily a teaching game but it's aimed at teachers and librarians to to help uh, teens get into role-playing games so it's very uh, focused on being accessible for for new role players uh, called grave quest which is about grave plundering which is of course what all people should <laughs> all teens should, should shouldn't be doing in real life but in i role think that's games, illegal but yeah, so we, we got a lot of games lined up. Uh, this uh, Zelda inspired Heroes of Cerule is, is the first one. Uh, this to, uh, to go to Kickstarter this year, and then we'll see who gets done with the other game first, I guess. Incredible. That's, that's so incredible. And, and I love that your government is funding these sorts of pursuits as well, that they want to encourage people to embrace their hobbies. Yeah, that's uh, I, I'm I'm quite proud of that part of our society uh, that we're because I mean it's the same sort of the same idea with the the uh, sports thing uh, that we get a lot of government funding for like the Swedish uh, sports system is built on uh, uh, people who aren't making money they're just helping uh, kids and teens out just because they believe it's a good thing and they get money from the government to pay for for uh, rent for for training practice spaces and things like that buying equipment and so so no one's really making any money of, of sports or or culture on the hobby level so the government mm, helps people do that and it keeps uh, teens off the street and it keeps gets people out from their apartments and a lot of people 
uh, I talked to a lot of people when I was playing music who, who probably would have been cr uh, criminals if it hadn't been for for them finding music and having somewhere to be. And, and I met a lot of uh, people in the gaming community who probably would have been at home depressed, uh, oh, yeah. uh, isolating themselves if it weren't for for their local gaming community uh, contacts and things like that. So I think it's a a good way to build a a good society in that sense like put uh, invest in in uh, culture and hobbies and, and um, health uh, for both mental health and, and physical health for for people yeah i think uh, that's something to be proud of oh absolutely that that's beautiful i love that i think i'm gonna have to move to sweden <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. We got problems as well uh, in Sweden, but uh, but yeah, that, at least that aspect is somewhat intact at this point. That's incredible. Well, Lucas, how can listeners support you and or Black Fisk Publishing? Uh, we're re uh, the worst at getting people to to support us financially because we always say like you could go to our website and you can get our games for free because everything is pay what you want you could just download it without paying anything and check it out so if you want to get into role playing you could go to our website and download uh, games that you think are interesting and just check them out uh, but but yeah, if if you're excited about a Zelda-ish uh, role-playing game, you could go back to Kickstarter for Heroes of Cerulea, or or if you're interested in in what we're doing and what we got coming up, you could follow us on on social media. We're usually Black Fisk Pub uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our website is blackfiskpublishing.com. Very cool. And I see you also have a YouTube channel. I have that listed as well. In yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we've uploaded uh, perhaps something, but the, uh, I'm probably going to upload a, a cool uh, Zelda-inspired uh, Kickstarter video for for Heroes of Cerulea, and it's probably going to be on the, Facebook, uh, the, the YouTube. So at least we've got uh, another clip there. Sure. Very cool. And where where can people follow you if they're if they want to keep up with you and your endeavors? Yeah, I'm, I'm mainly on Twitter, uh, where I'm uh, Cerulean Five, just one word. And uh, I like to talk about tabletop role playing games and Zelda stuff on there. I think a lot of people will enjoy that for sure. <laughs> well, Lucas, is there anything else you'd like to say? Just a, a big thank you. It was really nice chatting with you, and thank you for having me on and taking the time to um, to let me blab on about stuff. I oh, like. <laughs> if I could do this all the time, I would. I wish I could. I wish I could interview people all day, every day. I love seeing people get excited and passionate about things. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of this. I fall into that spiral of just reading bad news, whether it's local or regional, global, international, whatever the case may be. And it's very easy to forget that there are good people in the world and there are people who are passionate about fun things, not just right. hurting other people. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you sort of need to remember that uh, to have the, the energy to face all the 
like, like there's a lot of important stuff that's really bad and, and really uh, harmful and it takes a, saps a lot of energy to deal with all that and you sort of need the, the optimism and uh, faith in people to to have the energy to face all those things so yeah absolutely we all need to play your tabletop rpg so that we can feel better about, <laughs> about everything going on yeah hopefully that, that's uh part of the idea like uh we it, it's good to uh, i like some grim dark stuff as well but every now and then you need some uh, uh optimistic colorful boosts just to to have something to to lift you up as well, not only push you down. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And, and thank you for taking time, especially since it's kind of late where you are. I'm, I'm so excited for people to get to learn more about you and uh, Black Fisk Publishing and just all these awesome games that you guys have coming out. So excited. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> Well, everyone listening, you can find more 1v1 interviews and Boss Rush's other podcast at bossrush.net. And you can follow me, Celeste, on Twitter at FairyCrypt. So until next time, everyone, we will talk to you all later. Thanks again, Lucas. Thank Bye, you. everybody.